This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. We have Wendy Cunningham. She is an author and a fellow podcaster. She has uh, a podcast she recently started, I think, um, maybe just a few months ago. Uh, yes. It's called Gaining My Perspective. Um, very interesting. Uh, I, I tuned in. I checked it out. Um, she's also an author of of a book. She's going to tell us a little bit about that. So um, with that said, Wendy, would you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Yes. I am a mom of three. I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old. And I live in Middle Tennessee. We have an 84-acre farm in progress we homestead and uh yeah i i do kind of a million things i'm a business owner as he said an author new podcaster just kind of like to um continue to follow the promptings of the holy spirit (laughs) amen that's tremendous that's tremendous um so biggest reason uh i've brought her onto the podcast today is because she in her book, she makes a lot of great points, a lot of great points, not only um, in our own personal relationship and walk with God, but um, ways that, or rather things that we can look at from a different perspective um, to, to help us um, not only reach the lost, but to really be everything that God has called us to be in every area of our life. Um, you know, that's not just necessarily when we're at church. And it's great to be a Christian at church, but that should follow us beyond the doors of the church building or facility that we attend. So tell us a little bit about your book. So the book's called What If You're Wrong? And it's titled that as kind of the jumping off question that my now husband, but at the time we were newly dating, asked me in regards to my disbelief in God, Jesus, the Bible, the whole thing. I was absolutely an atheist at the time. Um, My family, all, you know, that's all I ever knew. All my family was um, atheists on both sides. Come to find out later, my dad was actually raised Catholic, but that didn't reach me by the time I was on the scene. Um, Never heard him mention a word about it. And, uh, you know, as the Lord would have it, I found my my path intersecting this boy's path. And um, we came into a relationship and started in this discussion, which prompted a obviously life-changing journey for me of um, discovering faith, discovering God and that he does exist. And from that point, moving into Jesus and understanding his role in the story and the Bible and what that, you know, how, what role that plays in, um, our Christian walk and, you know, truly being someone who was very green to all of these things. I felt compelled to write this book because I thought I had a unique testimony to share, a unique perspective, as you said, 
um, in the way that I came to faith and um, the length of the journey and kind of the, the way I had to process it, it's a lot. It's not just, you know, okay, I believe in Jesus today. You know, it is a, a deconstructing of everything you've ever known, everything you've ever thought, asking many, many questions. And um, so I wanted to put that into a book both for people who are searching, but also for Christians to help arm them with really important questions that my now husband asked me over the course of the years that I was discovering my own faith, um, just that prompted me to, to do so much searching. You know, our job as Christians and a job that he did so well is to begin the search. You know, oftentimes we take on the whole role for ourselves and, and we, you know, we, we forget the Holy spirit has a role also to, you know, kind of complete the, the, the process or take us on our, our, a part of our journey, you know, in his hands, our job as Christians is really just to spur the search. And the premise of the book being that there is one truth. There is an absolute truth. There has to be by definition. And if a person searches for that truth, they will find it because there's only one. So our job is to just start them on that search and, and continue to prompt that search. So that's what the book is about is, is that search for me and how that unfolded and the questions that I had to walk through and the different pieces of the puzzle and how they came together for me. Amen. And just a sort of disclaimer here, I have read the book, and I highly recommend that you buy that book. Um, you can buy it on Westbow Press. I believe you make more money. It, she'll make more money if you buy it on the Westbow Press website, but it's also available on Amazon and probably every other bookstore. Um, yeah. So one of the really interesting things to me, um, a great point that, uh, Wendy had made in her book um, was some of the things that deterred her um, originally while she was an atheist of why she wasn't searching it out um, certain people in her lives that uh, weren't living and we talked a little bit before but living up to their Christian standard to, to they were saying one thing and maybe living another or um, ex yes. expecting other people um, to be the example and saying they were Christian, claiming a Christian title, but not really fully living in that role. So I want her to sort of tell us a little bit about um, those experiences that she has had through the years um, and, and ways that um, she thinks or feels that we could do better. Sure. Um, gosh, that's so tricky because we are so fallen, so broken, and so in need of God's mercy and grace, right? So it's, you know, we, we walk that out every day. You know, I think humility, to jump to the, the answer of that question before I go into some examples, you know, humility is so, so critical. And the longer people walk in faith, this is my observation, and, and my uh, critique of myself as well. The longer I walk in faith, the easier it is for me to feel that I have some sort of high ground, right? And that causes us to slip into hypocrisy and slip away from the grace and mercy piece and move into the judgment piece. And, you know, what's funny is as an atheist, I will say that the last 
thing, the final obstacle keeping me from really investigating faith was Christians. And I, I, that's so true. Even now on the other side of this journey, looking back, it was such, I, I could not imagine associating with Christians in the way that I viewed them. And how sad is that, right? That here I am walking as a non-believer and, and just having such a hard time buying a single thing because they, you know, we walk in such hypocrisy so often. So how that looked in real life examples, um, you know, one of the, the first people who claimed themselves a Christian that I, you know, was really close with in my life, because as you can imagine, if you're an atheist and your whole family's an atheist, you probably don't have too many Christian friends growing up. You're not going to church and meeting any other believers. So I was really isolated to pretty much non-believing peers, you know, public school system. I grew up in California, which is very, very secular, if not worse than that word. So I was not having any exposure to the church until I was, you know, in my teens when um, someone kind of married into my family that claimed Christianity, but was a radical alcoholic, um, really had, you know, brought a lot of trauma into my life and my experience. So that first intimate example with someone who was claiming this Jesus was really traumatic. And I also remember being in that pivotal age in my teens when, um, I don't know if you guys, if listeners would know this story, but when Matthew Shepard um, was killed, he was in Laramie, Wyoming, and I was a theater major, so there was show, you know, plays and theatrical presentations that came out of this event. He was a gay kid, and um, he was killed by men that claimed in court their defense was, well, he came on to us. That was their defense in court, and it was kind of the first um, hate crime on the scene. This was like, I believe in the late nineties, maybe early two thousands. And I watched on the news as, as now I know the differences between denominations, but again, as a non-believer, I don't, I, every, anyone claiming Jesus or God is kind of all falling in one category for me. And I watched people protest at Matthew's funeral and just have such a message of judgment and damnation and hellfire. And I thought, gosh, I thought these people were about love. And I, I'm, a, I'm seeing this horrific example. If this is about love, I don't see that. I don't see that. So kind of these pivotal things, those are just two examples. But I would see these moments really drawn out where I saw Christians preaching a message of damnation, and judgment when if you read the message of the gospel and Jesus it's love and grace and mercy right we're we're all fallen we're all sinful and so that was not coming across from the great at least the Christians that were close up to me and the Christians that I kind of observed from afar and even now I, I see that for sure in the, the larger Christian church even Christians against other Christians you know the way that we can act so I think to answer your question again and reiterate humility is so critical and and recognizing that the only reason you know we are saved that we have that position on the other side on the right side of eternity is because of Jesus's sacrifice not our works and God's 
just outrageous grace and mercy. That's the message. That's what we always have to be humbly portraying. And we need to also just recognize that there are people watching. There are people paying attention, both believers and non-believers, people searching. We're losing a generation of young people right now because they're they're not seeing relevance in um faith in the real world right because we're just not set apart we're not walking out this this beautiful message of the gospel in our lives and so that's something i try to do imperfectly but i think that's something that was so clear to me as i was navigating this journey myself so one thing i find um my uh i guess relationship with god uh, started off I was a bus kid uh, my aunt went to a, a local church um, and she would pick us my siblings and I up on their bus route uh, okay. would take us to church and and I mean it was a great experience um, but for some reason whether it was a hurt whether it, whatever the reason was they stopped attending church um, yeah. so um, you know, from the time that I was uh, probably six and up, um, I didn't have a church and I wasn't really um, looking for one. Uh, but see, the way God works is he's always going to find you where you are. Um, my mother I was working with uh, someone who went to a, a church in the area. Um, invited her she went um, had an incredible experience with God mm. and then she started bringing my siblings and I to church with her so full circle now I'm 12 years old and haven't been to church since I was six um, mm -hmm. a great experience uh, and and along the way um, I fell into a trap um, of self-condemnation instead of accepting that Jesus loves me and that because he loves me and he has issued us and extended that grace to us um, you know the Bible says a just man he falls seven times but gets back up eight if he falls he gets back up so the key is you get back up and you keep moving forward well, you know, we don't push the blame on anybody else. We don't say it was somebody else's fault. I made a mistake. I accept I made it, made it, made the mistake, and then I grow from it. And you know, if someone is critical in their spirit and they come up and say, "Hey, didn't you, aren't you the guy that didn't you do this?" or, and to be fair, in the denomination I'm a part of, that that there's a lot of that there's a lot of you made this mistake we're never going to let you forget it sure. i don't uh, i can't attest to you know uh, baptists or methodists or catholics i can't say but i'm sure that's the human condition and we probably find it everywhere um but we've got to extend our hand out to really every single person we come in contact with every single person we come in contact with we should be considering how can I help this person today 
can a kind word change this person's the trajectory of this person's life? Because we don't know what anybody else is going through. We we just don't. Um, and God has filled us with His Spirit, has given us His Word, has brought us into a knowledge of who He is, and He wants us to share that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I I think it's important. And I like how you, how you worded it. I think that that is incredible. That's that's what we've got to do. We've got to yeah. we we we've got to get beyond this pharmaceutical attitude of I'm better than you because I believe this way or you know, you're not saved because you believe this way. I I mean, I've got news for a lot of people that are listening. <laughs> and, and I'm probably going to steal the title of your book, What If You're Wrong? <laughs> What if you're wrong? And you say, well, uh, I know I'm not. But, you know, we could come back to, what if you are? What if the way you're doing it isn't the way you, you should be doing it? What if, what if there's more for you to do than just attend church on a Sunday morning? Well, the New Testament church, I don't think they even had church buildings to, to start out. They were just gathering in, in wherever people's houses. They were preparing meals, sharing meals. They were feeding, you know, the hungry. They were helping people, and and that was church. Yeah. They were fellowshipping, and then the, yeah, they absolutely they talked about the goodness of God, and they talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They talked about the hope that was coming of of a new day when Jesus Christ would come back for the church. They talked about those things. Right. But how often I wonder are we talking about those things with the people that surround us that maybe don't claim to be Christians right and you know to kind of elaborate on that the reason why I was open to even engaging in the conversation with my husband aside from the fact that obviously we were now in a relationship you know and there was some trust there but he was and you know remains to be he was just walking out this this embodiment of love and you know you were saying reach out you don't know what people are walking through you don't know what their life is like he found me so broken i mean so broken by the world by my experience which i kind of go into in the book also you know why i had already set myself up in my early 20s to like there was no faith for me. There was no grace. There's no forgiveness for what I've done and what's been done to me and what I've walked through. I'm already just broken, you know, and here comes this person into my life that loved so well, that just was so kind that listen, I mean, talk about the fruit of the spirit. He didn't have to tell me about God. He was showing me the fruit of the spirit, just in the way that he engaged with me. And that is inviting enough, right? Um, even that, like to, you know, to your point that we should be telling people about Jesus and the coming of, you know, second coming and all those things. Absolutely. We should, but it starts with building that trust, being that person, embodying the fruit of the spirit. Sorry, I had to cough. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, 
I think that that is that was very well put. That was very well put. And if we, I heard this saying. I couldn't tell you where I heard it or who said it, but they said uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if we truly love God, then we'll love what God loves. And Jesus loved sinners. He came down to their level. He spoke to them. He ministered to them. He prayed for them. He worked miracles in their lives. And he, the thing is, is Jesus said, we're going to do so much more than he ever did. So we still have access. We still have access to all of that. And Absolutely. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember the exact, um, obviously, verse or a chapter, but there's a part where Jesus is saying, when you do this to the least of these, you are doing it to me. Well, we didn't see you. We didn't know you were... When did we clothe you? When did we feed you? When did we do this? Right. And Jesus is saying, he tells them, when you did it to the least of these, the people that maybe you looked down on, when you helped them out, you were doing it to me. And I think that that's powerful. I think that if the church would get a hold of that, we would we would be crossing organizational lines. We would be crossing denominational lines. Yes. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be one church. It's not going to have a name. It's going. It's just going to be the name of Jesus. Amen. What a good day that'll be. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, um, I don't know if there was anything specifically uh, you wanted to talk about. Um, outside of what we've already talked about but I want to give you this opportunity before we close out um, th this recording I want to give you an opportunity to speak what you feel in your heart uh, to the listeners sure so I think that we all as Christians hopefully have the desire to fulfill the great commission and make disciples right go talk to everybody and I hope we still have that fire and keep that fire and sometimes it's hard to know how to you know as we're talking about how to start the conversation or how to bridge that conversation whether it be someone near and dear to your heart or someone that you just met or even somebody that goes to church you know it's hard to walk through these conversations but I'll I I think that there's an opportunity to start the conversation in a different way. And that was kind of, again, another reason why I felt compelled to write this book. You know, so many Christians, at least before my husband, the very few people who even tried to share Jesus with me, which I can't even remember of any specific examples of someone really trying to evangelize to me before my husband. Um, but it always starts with Bible verses and or let me tell you about Jesus and for me that was never going to land because I didn't believe in the Bible I didn't know anything about it in terms of why on earth it would be 
authoritative or have any, you know, historical accuracy. It, I just, now I'm just riveted by all that, of course. I'm a huge fan of apologetics, just <clears throat> learning about, you know, how to defend it and how to um, understand the Bible in the context of the world we live in scientifically and, and otherwise. But I digress. I didn't know what that any of that was then. So quoting the Bible, sharing Bible verses with me meant nothing. Talking to me about Jesus, I actually believed for until I was like, oh, late teens. This is going to be funny for Christians that you could like you couldn't prove that Jesus even was a man that walked the earth. Like I believed you could just say he never existed at all and come to find out there's, you know, even atheists today will say there's plenty of evidence to say this Jesus of Nazareth was real, walked the earth, et cetera, et cetera. The argument is whether or not he was the son of God. I was ready to say he just didn't even walk the earth. That's how far I had to go. I did not, Jesus was not going to, that story alone, that testimony alone was not going to open my eyes or my heart to faith. It had to start at the very beginning. And although I knew what I believed, which was that there was no God, there was no Jesus, there was, you know, all of that. I could tell you what I believed very clearly and confidently where my husband found a place to anchor in was I couldn't tell you why I believed that well or how I had come to believe that. So I want to encourage you guys to, instead of tell people, ask questions get them this is what my my husband did so well he asked me to articulate my own beliefs to him and i couldn't do it well i couldn't do it without being defensive which was a trigger to me to say you're being defensive because you're insecure about this you know um it, it made me search again isn't that our job right to send us to send these people to send our friends and family and strangers and otherwise on the search and so he started by just kind of probing into, well, why do you believe that? And one of the first questions he asked me was, could you have been created? Not created by God, because that would have been too much. That would have been even too far of a question for him to ask me at that time. Could you have been created? And my first question to myself was, well, why do I believe that I couldn't have been? Right. Which was my belief that I, I wasn't created. I'm a random accident. You know, this is a, a symptom of chaos in the world and blah, blah, blah. And so as I went to reevaluate that, you know, and Christians do this, too. We don't often as adults go back and look at where did I come up with this? Where did this belief start? You know, I learned about evolution and the Big Bang like right around eighth grade. And that's about when I thought about it last <laughs> until my husband asked me these questions. So as an adult going back and trying to re-understand my own beliefs, I thought there are a million holes in this. This is this is equally as ridiculous as believing in creation, you know. And and those were kind of some of the first steps for me was just breaking down some of the things I thought I knew for sure and and allowing space for there to be other answers to these questions just you know, probing that. So I want to encourage you guys, if you are trying to talk about Jesus to people, it's just not landing. If you're sharing Bible verses and it's just not landing, it's not opening up the conversation, ask them about, you know, why and how they've arrived at the beliefs that they've arrived at. And that might be just a, a beautiful opening 
into a conversation that changes the whole picture. I love that. That's incredible. I'm I'm tremendously honored that you uh, would take the time, uh, even with a few setbacks, to still join me on my podcast to tell the world your story. Um, you know, to cross those like we talked about. You know, we're crossing those denominational lines, but at the heart of it is Jesus, and what matters is leading people to Him and and. I just yep. think you have such a unique perspective and I'm glad that you allowed me the opportunity to have you on, to host you, to have you share your story. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. So thank you. And anybody that has listened through this whole podcast, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Um, I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to do it. Probably when this airs, we'll post it. Um, uh, a link on my social media through Apostolic Theory. You'll be able to share that link, tag a few friends, get them connected to Apostolic Theory, and then there'll be a giveaway for a signed copy of Wendy's book, What If You're Wrong. I think it's an incredible resource, so start sharing. <laughs> you won't Thank regret you. it. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.